Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Noblesville First. We're so excited you're joining us for worship this morning. We invite you to stand as you're able to join us in singing our songs of praise this morning. Blessed be your name. 
to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you.
Good morning. Welcome, welcome to Noblesville First. I'm so excited that you're joining us for worship this morning. I'm so excited that I brought my guitar pick with me. I didn't, I didn't mean it. Just a couple of announcements to get us started this morning. Um, many of you know that we partner with a ministry here in Hamilton County called Faith or Family Promise of Hamilton County, which is currently seeking donations for gift cards for local gas stations and restaurants. Uh, because Family Promise helps the community coordinate their compassion and to address the root causes of family homelessness, providing prevention services, shelter, case management, and stabilization programs. You all know what's going on in the world right now and how hard it can be to maintain a stable footing, and things like this help in that fight here in Hamilton County. So if you would like to donate, you're welcome to donate gift cards. You can mark them as family promise or give cash to that same effort and drop those off in the church office. Next Sunday is a busy Sunday. We've got graduation Sunday happening in the sanctuary down at the other end at 945. Um, If you do know of any high school or college graduates that maybe we haven't heard about, we invite you to contact the church office as soon as possible to let us know so we can make sure that we are recognizing all of the graduates that we have throughout this church or connected to this church in any way. So if you'd like to join us for Graduate Sunday, that's going to be at the other end of the building at 945 next week. Also next week, we have a combined service. This service, unless it's raining, will not be in here next week. That's right. Eyes up. (laughs) Make sure we all hear this one. We are not in this room next week unless weather is inclement. Can weather be inclement, or is it only inclement weather? I don't know. If it's raining, we'll be inside. (laughs) If it's not, we will be out at our Teeter worship location in combination with Bethel AME Church. Um, It's going to be a wonderful time. We're going to get both bands together to do music. Both Pastor Mindy and Pastor Jerry are going to come and share a message together. It's a wonderful opportunity to join together with another church in the area for worship. So if you are available next week for worship, we definitely invite you to join us out at Teeter Retreat and Farm. It's about 10 minutes up the road. If you don't know how to get there, you can check out our website. Come talk to me. I'll give you direct. I can draw you a map from memory. I've been there so many times. So come and join us um, at 11 o'clock next week. And then after that, on Memorial Weekend, we'll be starting our summer worship schedule. Um, which is a a bit of a pared-down schedule because, I don't know if you know this, but it takes a lot to run as many services in as many locations as we do here every Sunday. So for the summer, we'll have our service out at Teeter in the morning at 8.15. Come and join us for that. It's a beautiful time of day to come out and do worship. You get a little bit of a blended music as well as usually the same sermon you get at any of the other services. So come and join us out there if that's your thing at 9.45, we'll be having our traditional service in the sanctuary at the other end of the building, and then we'll be right here at 11 o'clock for the contemporary service throughout the summer as well. So, And then always, as always, Thursday worship. If you're looking for something a little more discussion-oriented, that's still worship. We take communion every week. We have a great community there. We meet on Zoom every Thursday. And a lot of times, that is different maybe than what you'd get on a Sunday morning. So come to both. (laughs) I do. (laughs) And we'd love to have you for that. Um, If you're looking for other ways to get involved, we definitely invite you to check out Next Steps. The Next Steps 
little box on noblesvillefirst.com. We can find ways to plug you in if there's new ministries, if there's summer schedules opening up and you're looking for new ways to get involved. We'd love to help connect you with that. And if you are new with us this morning, we definitely invite you to connect with Pam Kaplinger, our hospitality coordinator, or you can come and talk to me. I'm Pastor Matt. We've got a couple other staff members here. Pastor Paul's here. Bonnie's here. We've got all sorts of people you can talk to about how we can get you plugged in here at Noblesville First. And that's all the announcements I have for you. So good morning again. <laughs> Welcome again to Noblesville First. It's a weird transition when there's nothing in between, but it's in the manuscript, so I have to say it. <laughs> I'm Matt Hanselman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm really glad that you've joined us for worship this morning. This morning will be my final sermon in this service before I move on from, from staff here at the church. I'll be here a couple more weeks with music and things like that, but... I'd be lying if I said I didn't struggle with what to say on my very last time here. And man, there is a lot to say, so strap in. (laughs) This morning is supposed to be about what it is to be a Methodist. Um, In fact, if you had the opportunity to, or you still can have the opportunity to listen to our bishop, he spoke at the 945 service uh, down at the other end of the building, as well as the 830 service. Um, about the United Methodist Connection. Um, But currently, I will say, in the greater United Methodist Church, there's some debate about what it means to be a Methodist. Some of you may have heard of the conflict that has been going on in the Methodist Church over the past few decades, maybe, (laughs) that has really come to a head in the past few years and has now culminated in a new denomination that just started at the beginning of May called the Global Methodist Church. The primary driver of the strife and the split is around our LGBTQ plus siblings. The Global Methodist Church is adamant that it is imperative that LGBTQ plus persons are kept from being ordained and married. Enough so that they wanted the bylaws to be written in such a way that breaking those particular rules carried a special measure of punishment. In fact, just to make sure that I was informed, I I went and I read the Book of Discipline, which is the Methodist Book of Denominational Laws, in the section for the rules around ordination, what it takes to be ordained, what are the qualifications, things like that. And there is a single thing called out in that in that section for as a reason to not be ordained. It gets its own whole paragraph, and that is homosexuality. That's it. That is the only specifically named reason you cannot be ordained in this church. Murderer, serial divorcer, drug addict, those are all case by case, which is fine. That's fine. I am not advocating to add more restrictions. Paul was a murderer. Peter chopped off at least one year in his lifetime. (laughs) My point is there is a purposeful, single-minded call-out against LGBTQ plus persons. There is a time to be careful with words about this issue, and that time has passed. I do not in any way believe 
that being homosexual or living as a homosexual in a monogamous relationship is sinful. It is not. And I have a lot, I mean a lot, of biblical study and backup for that claim that I would love to sit and talk with you about at length anytime you want to. And just to head off maybe the quickest argument at the pass that I am the one challenging thousands of years of biblical history, you please know that in our translations of the Bible, the word homosexual was not even there until the 1940s. So I am not the one who's changing history. And I've heard from people in this church who called me specifically to talk about it say, why can't they just go somewhere else? Why do they have to change this? And I have to be honest that as a Christian and especially as a Methodist, that breaks my heart. Because part of what it means to be a Methodist and to me, a Christian, is having an open table where all are welcome. And even if you believe it is sinful... Again, I do not. If you do, even if you believe that, the idea that sinfulness should prevent someone from following a call into ordained ministry doesn't make any sense to me. There's not a pastor alive that has rid themselves of sin, including lifelong sin struggles. If sin could get in the way of ordination, we would have no pastors. I think Jesus was pretty clear that he who is without sin gets to cast the stone. And everyone walked away. Now, I will say this, that in the past decade, I have been incredibly hesitant to tell anyone that they are wrong about what is sin and what isn't. Because my beliefs about those things change as I learn more and I encounter God more. So I will not stand up here and tell you that because I believe it's not a sin, that you have to as well. I'm not telling you that. I absolutely accept your ability to believe what you believe. I will tell you that I disagree, and that's not what I believe right now. But I will say this. If you believe that the church should be allowed to define who they are as a way to blanketly exclude them from church, ministry, or whatever, you are wrong. Being a follower of Christ, as far as I'm concerned, means casting out the idea of creating others. There are no outsiders. No one is excluded. The love of God is bigger and wider and more grace-filled than we could ever imagine, to the point that there should never be a them. Throughout the scripture, God is repeatedly portrayed as reconciling all things, all people, willing, desiring, wishing that none would perish. So that's the first thing I want you to know as I prepare to depart 
Noblesville first. I never want to be a part of a church that specifically creates others. And I hope you don't either. The open table and open hearts and open minds and open doors of the Methodist Church should be something we continue to strive for and make more of a reality. Because I do realize what I'm saying. Matt, you say, you are a part of a church that creates others. I know. And in the midst of the struggle of this denomination that has been my home my entire Christian life, instead of choosing to leave, I chose to become ordained so I could fight and make it right. Because I am one of them that members of this church told me they wished would just go away. The people who are trying to change this church for the better. But one of the beautiful things about the United Methodist Church is the fact that at all levels from the bishop who spoke down to the congregants is that we don't believe the same things. We all have different backgrounds and different theologies and different beliefs, and that is good. It is good because I don't know how to say this nicely. We are wrong a lot. There were just as many Christians fighting for slavery as against it. And there are still major denominations today, including the entire Catholic Church, that still believe that women can't, aren't, or shouldn't be called into ordained ministry. As soon as we all believe the same thing, we are no longer challenging each other to continue to examine the vast mystery that is God. So the next thing I want you to know as I prepare to depart Noblesville first is that I believe God is love and everything else is debatable. And I mean everything. In our Thursday worship group, we were walking through a book called Faith After Doubt. And one of the questions it asked was, what is something that you used to know for sure? Somebody would ask you a question and you had an answer. It was, a, it was a confident answer. And now, when you're asked it, you have to say, I don't know. My answer to that question? How you go and who is going to heaven someday. The more I study and read and pray, the less I feel like a single answer does that question justice. Well, maybe. Maybe the single answer that I would give today is, I don't know, but God does. And we can talk about that at length, too. You ask anybody here who's a Thursday worship member, and they will tell you that I have confused them about salvation <laughs> using the Bible. <laughs> because it is not as clear-cut as we have been made to believe. Everything from the minutiae of exact lineages in the Old Testament to major theologies like what actually happened to sin on the cross is all constantly debated. 
people much smarter in the ways of biblical scholarship and ancient languages than I will ever be are consistently discovering new things and positing new theories that have the ability to change everything about how we understand the facets of Christianity. But for me, love has always been the constant. I think Paul was thinking the same thing when he wrote part of the letter to the church in Corinth. I'm actually going to share this entire chapter of the Bible with you, so let's go for it. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in tongues of human beings and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else and I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand my own over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things. It trusts in all things. It hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they'll be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child, but now that I've become a man, I've put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, and then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now, faith, hope, and love remain. These three things. And the greatest of these is love. Knowing that God is love. I love reading that chapter, and every time it says love, just put in in God. God is patient. God is kind. Does not envy. God does not boast. God keeps no record of wrongs. God is not happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. And Paul says, having things like all knowledge and prophecy and a faith that can move mountains is meaningless if you don't have love. I think that makes sense because prophecy and faith are things we do for God. But love is how we embody God. Love is letting out the God that fills us because God is love. Maybe said differently, Of faith, hope, and love, faith is the gift we give to God. Hope is the gift God gives to us. But love, love is 
God. It is what makes up our Creator. And so, yes, we should debate and discuss and grow in human constructs like theology. We should be comfortable admitting change is okay in those things because human constructs, by their nature, are imperfect. Which brings me to the third thing that I want you to know. I am wrong. But praise God, being right isn't the point. The vast majority of what I believe about theology today is in conflict with myself of 10 years ago. And don't even get me started on 20 years ago. (laughs) In fact, I was talking to a group this week about writing a letter to your former self about faith. If you could write that letter to tell your former self something about faith or religion to, to help them along or to give them hope, what would you write? Man, I struggled with that. Because myself in the past might look at me today and think that I'm lost. That I've lost my way. My beliefs vary that much. So I know that anything I would write would be met very skeptically by my past self. Where I landed was to say that I would tell my former self not to shy away from hard questions. But lean into them. Don't be afraid to ask questions that might shake the very foundations of your faith. Because if your foundation is God, it won't shake. In other words, if you ask a foundation-shaking question and your foundation actually shakes, then you should be asking the foundation-shaking question. Because God through his son, Jesus Christ, said, when you build your house on the rock, it will not be shaken. This is why for the past six years ago, since I've been back here at Noblesville First, I have made it my mission to try and teach how to learn and discern truth instead of just telling you this is what you should believe. Because anything I tell you to believe today might not be something I believe later. Accepting, in my life's experience, that God is love. So I don't want to tell you this is what you believe, this is what you should believe, because more than likely, I'm wrong. And praise God, being right isn't the point. Which brings me to the last thing that I want you to know as I plan to depart Noblesville first. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can, to all the souls you can, at all the times you can, with all the zeal you can, as long as ever you can. This is a quote attributed to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, even though it was likely actually not said by him. (laughs) But either way, the sentiment is in the right place. And if I were to try to say it more succinctly, I would say, I want my whole life to be about bringing the kingdom of God here. Whether you want to talk about what it means to be sanctified or holy or set apart or different, 
Or maybe you want to talk about sharing the gospel or spreading the good news or evangelizing or proselytizing. Or you want to talk about the age to come or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. They all lead to the same place. Living now as the kingdom of God was meant to be and is to come. Loving all and acting, as Paul put it, as ambassadors of God's reconciliation. As God works to reconcile all things, we work alongside to make sure everybody and everything knows that reconciliation is happening and that the reconciliation is for all things. You know, there's a lot of words in the Bible that you can translate a lot of different ways and it can get confusing because ancient Greek is a dead language and everything. The word here, when Paul says God is reconciling all things, it literally has one meaning. You know what it is? All. <laughs> literally everything. It is all things. All creation, all people, all trees and all oceans and all animals and all bugs everything, even mosquitoes. There are times that you kind of wish you could like leave something out of all things, right? All things. There's about a million more things that I'd like to say. I'd like to leave you with if we had forever to talk about it. But unfortunately, we don't. As always, if you want to know more or you want to discuss or debate or argue anything that I've said, I'd love nothing more than to do that with you. I'll even buy the meal or the coffee we do it over. Just let me know. But to recap, here's what I want you to know. I never want to be a part of a church that specifically creates others. I believe God is love and everything else is debatable. I am wrong, but praise God, being right sent the point. <laughs> I want my whole life to be about bringing the kingdom of God here. It has been my immense pleasure to share this portion of my life with you. And I pray that this has been a meaningful leg of the ever-continuing journey. Amen. this time we're going to move into a time of prayer. I'm going to take a, a moment to offer some time for you to pray silently. And then I'll offer a pastoral prayer and we will share in the Lord's prayer together. Let's pray.
words that we've heard this morning and make them into the wisdom we need. Because God, I know, I know that I'm wrong a lot. God, we hear in the book of Corinthians that the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Help us with your wisdom this morning, God. Help us as we parse through what is good, as we hold on, to hear you say, test everything and hold on to what is good. God, help us to be different when we leave than when we came. That you would change us, that you would grow us, that you would make us ambassadors even more to the world, that our, our very hearts would overflow as you fill us, as you love us. May we love those around us in our communities, our neighbors, in the world to bring your kingdom here. God, we just thank you that you are bigger than we will ever be, that you have love that is wider and deeper that holds all things even our failures even our sin even the places that we need you more and more and have more and more closed off to you your arms are still open wide and God we just ask this morning that you just continue to just knock on that door
been in ministry now for a little over 20 years. And this will forever be my favorite part. Joining together at a table with all people. Whether you're the least of these and you come hungry or naked or sick or in prison. Whether you're the rich man who is going to struggle like a camel getting through the eye of a needle. The prideful, the low, the merciful, the haughty, all people are welcome right here. Because Jesus took the time to set up the table when he knew what was coming. I heard it said a while back that we all struggle with the question of what would you do if you had one more day to live? What would you do with that time? Jesus knew, and he washed feet, and he ate with his friends, and he set up this opportunity for us to remember. So we believe that the table is open for all people. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. You don't have to be saved. You don't have to be a reformed sinner. I don't, I don't care. The table is for everyone because it is not us that makes the table worthy. It is God. And so we invite you to come. And remember, remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends. And he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his friends. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his friends. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Here in a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. In the basket on the left, you can drop in an action card if you filled it out or, or an offering if you'd like to offer that as an act of worship. The basket on the left contains communion cups that have a wafer on top and a cup of juice for the body and blood of Christ. We invite you to take one of those. You can take it back to your seat if you'd like. You can kneel here at the altar, light a candle, say a prayer. Whatever it is that draws you into worship with the God that reconciles all things. Let's pray together. God, fill this place. Fill this place just to the point that we can't help but be filled with you. Teach us your never-ending love, God. Teach us who you are. And help us remember as we come and approach the altar 
invite you to stand and join us.
debatable. Go in peace.